This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello, and welcome to the Legal Lounge, where we now release new episodes every Monday. If you haven't heard previous shows, there's plenty of content for you. If you're going through a divorce, want to know more about claiming for injuries, or you're training to be a lawyer, you can listen to these shows on your favourite podcast app and get more information by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this podcast, solicitors Seanad Williams and Caroline York discuss the serious topic of appointing a guardian for your child or children in the event of your death. They explain what parental responsibility is and how if no one alive has parental responsibility, then there can be uncertainty for your child. When appointing a guardian, a letter of wishes should be included with the will. And to demonstrate the reasons behind the choice of the guardian, the letter of wishes ought to reflect welfare considerations for the child. I'm Sean Ed and I am a private client solicitor working from the Conway office in North Wales. I deal mainly with estate planning, which might involve wills, lasting powers of attorney and grant of probate applications. Um, and I'm joined here today by Caroline York. Um, Caroline, do you want to explain what you do? Yes, thank you. I'm Caroline and I'm a family law solicitor working primarily in our Oswestry office and occasionally covering work in Conway together with Sean Ed. So we're going to be talking to Today about something that you might want to put in a will and this is a guardianship appointment. It's important to put this in a will and discuss it with a private client solicitor but it's also important to speak about this with a family lawyer if we feel that it's necessary. A guardianship is somebody that you would appoint in a will to look after your minor children if anything were to happen to you. You would usually speak to a solicitor about this they would usually ask you to complete um, a form before they see you just for some information about you if you have any minor children that would be something that we would um, discuss with you and we would ask you whether you've thought about appointing somebody to look after your children in the event that you or anybody else with parental responsibility um, predeceases you. So Caroline I think you would probably be the best person to discuss uh, parental responsibility and just importantly what that is. Yep before you think about who to appoint as a guardian we probably need to roll back slightly and have uh, a little bit of a precy of the law about parental responsibility because that does have an impact ultimately on what might happen in relation to the guardians if anything happens to you. So there's a concept called parental responsibility and essentially that is the right for any PR holder to make landmark decisions in relation to a child. So the usual examples are things like medical treatment, um, choosing schools, religious upbringing, whether they can be taken out of the country and so on. Those are the big issues that are usually affected by PR but essentially it covers all those decisions that you would make in relation to a child's um, well-being and, uh, and interests. And the basic starting position is that marriage parents have parental responsibility for their children under 18. You can also acquire parental responsibility through various court orders, which is probably a very wide subject. It was probably something for another podcast. But if you have a court
court order relating to a child, it's important to check with a solicitor to make sure if that gives you parental responsibility. If you haven't got parental responsibility because you weren't married to the mother and your name wasn't on the birth certificate, you can still acquire it either by agreement or through a court order. First of all, we have to establish who's got parental responsibility. It's also very important to understand that when someone dies, if they are the last surviving person with parental responsibility for a child, then that parental responsibility automatically passes to any guardian that has been appointed in a will. Yeah, that makes that's sense. really important. So that's probably the key thing. So you need there might be a chain of command almost where yeah. if one person dies, you need to check if there are any other existing PR holders. And if there aren't, then anybody named in a will as the guardian takes immediately takes that parental responsibility. We often get asked, who would we even appoint as a guardian? And I think that's an important question. And that is completely up to the person appointing them. And it's important to appoint somebody that you trust, that your children trust, that you think would be a good fit if your children ever had to, say, live with that, with that person, have them take them to school every day and do things on the weekends with them. That would be their person in a way that would be their person with a legal responsibility and so it is really important to discuss it with that guardian first often people ask well do I need to ask this person you know no they're not signing the will but you know if they if you do have young children and that appointments is a significant one. We need to look at situations in which you might want to appoint a guardian because that can have a bearing on who you appoint. The two general situations uh, where people are concerned about having guardians appointed in the will would be if there are se- if the parents are separated and there are circumstances where unfortunately one parent thinks that the other parent is really not suitable to take over care of their child in the event of death. That might be a situation where there's absolutely no contact, where that parent has disappeared from the picture, uh, or maybe where there's a court order that prevents any contact, or you just feel there are circumstances about the other parent that make them less than ideal to be the full-time carer for the child. It doesn't necessarily preclude them from having contact with the child in the care of other guardians. something to be thought about. Also, even where parents are together in a relationship, they should consider, would it be sensible to have a guardian appointed in the will in the event that they both unfortunately die together in some kind of awful situation. Even where the parents are in a relationship, it's probably sensible to have some sort of replacement guardian that says, in the event that my the other parent doesn't survive me, we both would be reassured by, by having agreed who we want to look after the child. Turning then to, going back to your question of who uh, would, would you appoint, as you said, it's a very free and open choice. And I think instinctively, most people immediately come up with somebody that they feel would be right. But in the event of death there could be circumstances where unfortunately this isn't agreed and the person who is appointed as a guardian may unfortunately have to bring the matter to court against for example another PR holder maybe an unsuitable parent Mm -hmm. it's important then to have done your homework and cover that the 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 reasons for appointing that person in the letter of wishes definitely So the letter of wishes, when I draft them, I tend to address the same points that a court would address in the event of court proceedings. And there's something called uh, the welfare checklist. When children matters go to court, the court's only consideration must be the child's best interests. They can't really take anything into account. That's exactly it, the paramountcy idea. So they arrive at that conclusion by going through the welfare checklist. And for that reason, I advise people doing a letter of wishes 
to tackle the welfare checklist in the letter of wishes because in the event of court proceedings that parent won't be there no. they will be deceased and it's 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 helpful to show the court that they gave really serious consideration yeah. to this and that they addressed the same points that the court would need to address mm. So would it be helpful if I took you through those points? Because yeah, I think definitely. it would be helpful for a private client solicitor to get some basic information from the client about why they've appointed that person. In advance of the meeting, have a think about how they would connect that person to that checklist. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, having indication to what the welfare checklist is might also help somebody with actually appointing a guardian if they're not too sure. Yes, I think it can be food for thought, really. Yeah, you know definitely. sometimes instinctively why you want a, you, that you want a person, but you don't know why you yeah. want them. So in no particular order of importance, the child's wishes and feelings are taken into account in line with their age and understanding. The child's age, gender and any characteristics unique to that child, for example, whether it's a disability or a a learning need, something specific to that child. The child's physical, emotional and educational needs, how capable the person you've appointed is of meeting those needs that you've identified, what impact change would have on the child and how you think that guardian that you've appointed could manage that impact which I think is really important in the context of the loss of a parent any harm the child has suffered or is at risk of suffering which again can be relevant to some cases in other cases it's completely irrelevant and you just say we're not concerned about any risk of harm so I think in the context of appointing a guardian for a child where it has no parent able to to care for the child then I think impact of change and the needs are probably the the most important issues to consider so we would uh, when I draft my letters of wishes I don't slavishly go through that list with as headings Mm, tell a story exactly you tell the child's story and you just make sure you've incorporated all of those points in there yeah and it's important for the court to know that those things have been considered you know prior to the passing of that parent isn't it I always say to people who are in this situation think of it as your voice from beyond the grave because you this is your opportunity for the court to hear what serious consideration you gave to this and in particular if you've got a strong reason for not a point for not enabling another parent to take care of the child it shows that you have taken that responsibility really seriously and that actually your reasoning was the fact that you went to the trouble of drawing up a letter of wishes can of itself be quite indicative of the the fact that it was really important to you to try to ensure that a particular person looked after a child. I must say there is no 101% guarantee that the person you've appointed will be the eventual guardian if there's litigation Mm -hmm. but I certainly think it's better to have addressed it than not to address it at all. Yeah and you can also be quite happy with the fact that if that person was not appointed by the courts then the courts have always has the the child's best interest at hearts don't they they would have appointed the best person for that child you can't foresee that when you're drafting your letter of wishes things might change in relation to that guardian so it was always quite important that the courts consider everything um isn't it absolutely and i'm sure you often say to people that it's really important to do a health check on your will 100%. i would say as part of that process well, don't forget the letter of wishes that you originally drafted when you review your will review the letter of wishes yeah certainly i mean with a will what caroline has described as the letter of wishes is a little bit more complex than what we would need um, in terms of the 
the will. The will, a guardianship appointment, is quite simply their name and their relationship to you and the address. And so as long as we have that information, we can put it in. We would then discuss with you to see whether we think it's appropriate that you have a letter of wishes. Like Caroline said, in most circumstances where we foresee some contentious issues might arise, then we would always advise you to have a letter of wishes in place. If the circumstances are a little bit more complex, um, then we would always advise a letter of wishes be in place as well. Just to summarise, if I was to draft a will and you know, somebody has a child and they don't have a guardianship appointment in a will, what would be the position if there are, if there's no one with PR? Oh, if there's no one with PR, then you would be waiting for a relative, most likely, if there is a relative able to step in and take care of the child. You would probably, in most situations, as a matter of expediency, have to place the child. But the difficulty is that person doesn't have any parental responsibility. Arguably, that's the time when the child needs someone most to exercise PR. They're going to be going through a great deal of turmoil. The child may need to access professional support services, such as therapy, doctors. The school need to be aware of the situation because actually you need to try and keep as much stability and familiarity for the child. So if you've got a situation where the person caring for them doesn't have parental responsibility, there can sometimes be a a delay in being able to access things and it can become quite clunky really yeah. for the child and quite distressing in quite, a way. quite distressing there's just no continuity for them if you were in that situation then the person caring for the child would have to make an application to court and may well have to first persuade the court that they are entitled to, that they should have permission to make that application yeah. so there's an extra hurdle to jump which again at a difficult and distressing time for a family is probably not the sort of worry that you need no and so when we come to having that letter of wishes and having access to that letter of wishes to use in an application we would say you know the letter of wishes is completely confidential that doesn't go to the probate registry with the will that is a completely confidential letter that you can be quite certain that no one reads unless it has to go to the courts and then the courts would um, take that into consideration when making their judgments but in terms of your guardians having access to that letter of wishes we would advise you if you want to and you know if it's if you feel strongly about having this letter of wishes with that guardian then we would advise you to do that I think that is more than it's to address the delay isn't there between having the death certificate and being able to obtain that letter of wishes from your solicitor unfortunately unfortunately (laughs) we have um, quite tight rules where we have to um, have the legal documentation in place to release documents and so sometimes that can cause some delays and you've probably experienced that as well Caroline in your line of work yeah um, I think it's it's a really important point actually to cover that if the release of Um, will documents and documents connected with the will is going to be um, at all affected by things like death certificates. In my experience this kind of situation can actually require a really urgent application to court it can sometimes within hours unfortunately um, of a death. It's best to be you know forewarned was it forewarned is forearmed or forearmed is forewarned I can never remember which way around but you're not trying to say. Having the guardians with the necessary documentation to hand can be really helpful yeah, um, and can help expedite any application that you have to make. All of the above is why I think a letter of wishes is a a really good way of 
reassuring yourself in the event of the unthinkable happening. Arguably the most vulnerable people in the in the situation, the children, are as protected as you can you can make them. It's, it's as important in many ways as taking out life insurance yeah, uh, to ensure that they're financially provided for. Mm. This is a way of making sure that as far as possible, they're emotionally equipped and, and provided for as well. And that you know that you've done everything you can within your power to ensure their welfare is prominent and is paramount. And although there is there is no crystal ball and you can't guarantee anything, you've done the very best you can. Yeah, you've put those legal documents in place and you know that they are, you know, they're there to be used if they never need to be. Thanks to Seanad and Caroline for lending their expertise. More proof that lawyers don't bite. If you need legal help from either of them, please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk. If you have a legal issue you'd like me to put to our team to cover in an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, please remember to follow or subscribe on your app so you're notified of new releases when they come out every Monday. Speak to you next week. That was the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.